Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown show. A show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Kim Ford is one of those people who always has something to say that is informative, inspirational, and transformative. With Karen Sebastian, she co-founded the Kitchen Table Giving Circle. This nonprofit provided philanthropic support to Black, African descent, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and queer women, led projects, and organizations working to improve the lives of Black, African descent, LGBTQ women. After years working in the nonprofit sector, she changed directions, starting Mind Body Balance with Kim, providing health and wellness advocacy, as well as transformational life coaching. When last we spoke, it was at the beginning of the pandemic. Her business was developing, she was offering classes online and taking classes to expand her practice using her fitness journey to assist and motivate others to find mind, body, and soul balance. And then the pandemic hit. Kim believes each of us moves along our own unique journeys and paths filled with dreams and visions of the lives we want to live. This movement and our interactions with others can help us redefine how we live in community with one another. During this visit, she shares how the pandemic can be a time to reset and find our own unique journeys and paths filled with today's dreams and visions of the lives we want to live. From sheltering in place, re-emerging from quarantine isolation, to adopting a pandemic pet, it's a new world, a changing normal, and Kim Ford is there for it all. Kim Welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown. So I'm here with my friend, Kim Ford. And, you know, it's funny how you say, oh, you know, it's been a minute since I've talked to someone. Then you remember, like, it's been, like, a really long minute. And it's so like we've been, like, in a time warp. So how have you been? You know, when we first started talking Everybody was talking about, oh, let's get back to normal. But you and I had sort of talked about how there was going to be, like, a new normal. So how have you been in this reset transitional period going from when you we were really first sort of, like, recognizing that we were going to be at home for a minute to where we are now? 
that's so it, it's interesting because there are things that are the same and there are things that have changed. Uh, so I had in realizing that, you know, that making peace with that I'm retired for the most part from nonprofit work. Mm-hmm. Um, that I made peace with that and and more into uh, like fitness and health and fitness. And I had to, for myself, take a step back. Um, I was no longer teaching classes in person. I was, um, I had some foot injuries, so I couldn't even teach even virtually. Uh, which was interesting, right? So, th- so I was no longer doing that, but I was still um, working with people and coaching um, health journeys mm-hmm. and still having conversations with people. And so what I noticed is there was that flurry, folks trying to do things online, like people having, you know, people getting together on Zoom, whether they were getting together with family or friends or work meetings and figuring things out, those that could, you know, depend, it, it really depends on what people could do. And, and then I think there was like a Zoom burnout. Mm-hmm. I even noticed that even when I was teaching, you know, the group fitness online, I was doing it using Zoom. At first, you know, there were, there were like 10 people showing up and then it was dropping down. It was one. I say everybody's zoomed out. They're in meetings all day. They're, the last thing they want to do is be in front of a computer. Um, so I was offered an opportunity to do um, with Shape Up NYC. Is there something else I could do outside? Well, the, the centers had the center that I worked at shut down. They didn't have an outside um, space. So I was I started leading a walking group. Hmm. which is really good to be able to get outside, get people outside um, and still be active, you know, once a week. And that was really good. That actually, that was, oh, and I didn't even have the dog yet. So that's (laughs) another thing, right? So there was no dog yet. And, but I had done a program, uh, it's a running program, 30-day running program, but I walked it because, again, of things that have happened, like, okay, I'm not running with uh, injury in one foot, injury in another foot, so I'm walking, and I did it. I realized, like, you know what, I need to be back outside moving and doing things like that. And at the same time, the option to do the walking group came up, um, and that felt really good. And what I realized is not only did it provide movement, it provided community in a different way than the group fitness class. Right. Mm -hmm. Because now we're all talking with each other. People are walking however they can walk, different, you know, rates, uh, different cadences. But the conversations are amazing. So now there's an hour or so, or maybe a little less, where we're talking with each other and getting to know each other. And that felt really good. We had to do it with masks on, that's true, but it gave us the opportunity to learn live, which doesn't happen when you do a group fitness class. Mm 
there. You interact. That's 100% mm-hmm. true that you interact. However, anything else would happen at the end of the class, and people are usually trying to leave. So um, that worked out really well. I do miss teaching in person. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, and that is slowly coming back in the city. Shape Up is doing that slowly. In, in the parks rec centers first, I was at a host site, um, not one of their centers. So that hasn't come back yet. And so they're doing it in waves, um, first at their rec centers and the ones that are open. So that's coming back in waves. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so now what's the normal in all of this? We're, we're making yeah. it up as we go. Mm-hmm. I, I think as folks of color, as black folks, we've always had to do that. That's always, we've had to figure out how to make things work for ourselves. And I think that's more the same. I think there's a, uh, a larger culture that is struggling, struggling more than we are, maybe, maybe not. I don't, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, and folks who, were, okay, let me take this back. What I loved that I saw that I, that I think became part of the new normal and, I would, and I, it's continuing in some communities for the mutual aid program uh, to make sure that folks had food and access mm-hmm. to um, good nutrition. Whether it was doing a refrigerator on a street and people stocking it, volunteers, um, people donating food or donating money for the food to go in the refrigerator who needed to come and take what they mm-hmm. needed. Where communities would get together and um, the, the the farms, the, it, of course they could only do it when it was warm, but the local farms, the farms um, in New York now in, in different places, there's some that have always been there and they've been able to um, feed more people and also get more donations and have more folks volunteer. And I think some have popped up where there weren't Mm -hmm. any that's been able to do that. So I think that's part of the mutual aid is how do we take care of each other in this moment where folks um, can't work, don't have jobs, but Mm -hmm. still need to eat and still need to provide. So, um, that I think, I think some of those things are continuing. I think some of the structures may have been in place, but I think for people, uh, on the ground, people that I know on the ground have gotten together with each other to, to take care of each other in this very real way. I don't know if, if I would call that the new normal because I think as folks we, in this country, the descendants of the enslaved have a history of doing that. We might have done it, for some of us, it might have been within um, a religious institution, at um, a church, uh, in our churches. It might have been in whatever our local community center looked like. Wherever we gathered, we have always figured out how to take care of each other. And I think that we were bought, uh, a lot of us were bought back to that. 
what does it look like? How do we do that in this moment? That may be our new normal. Do you think, too, there. you know, I mean, I've worked with this, um, which was one of the things, part of it came together because of COVID and how are we going to take care of ourselves. But it, it's been like for two years, and it's called the Transforming Community Fund. And one of the, some of the things that you sort of see that people have, you know, how did they come out? Not only the growing food, like there's a group of young guys who in their time off, you know, get delivering food to people, going and doing something for that, in part because in our communities a lot of uh, infrastructure just wasn't there. And it became so clear, you know, that, you know, it's, nobody's coming to do this for us. And so that, that, that taking a way to do it and then to talk about what we needed and how we cared for it, where someone suggested that there needed to be a type of grant and funding that was just about how do you rest, how do you do how do you self-care? Because some of these people, uh, this woman said it, and, you know, it just sort of hit me like a ton of bricks because she had been, like, growing food, delivering food, doing for people, and suddenly she said it hit her that she could no longer pour from an empty cup. And mm. there were people who came around and said, and other people who are particularly, you and I that both came from a nonprofit world, where often we just do, 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 do but to recognize that that was an important part of it, too, and how do we take care of people in our community who are always the cup, always pouring back into the community and doing it because that's part of the glue that holds us together. Yeah, that's absolutely absolutely true. And I've noticed from – I've come across, and I I don't recall if we talked about it before, but – um, I was part of a uh, a group coaching uh, cohort and talked a lot about rest um, and taking, it was uh, women of color, and we talked a lot about rest um, and, and, excuse me, one of the things that I had found sharing resources was online was the NAP ministry, which is about saying that you have a right to rest. Mm. Um you have a right. It is your right. It is not a luxury. You deserve it. Um, and that was, and it's, it's concept, I think, uh, um, that a lot of us struggle with, especially in the nonprofit world. Um, and I think that might beg the question of like, well, who's nonprofit? Whose model, who's, what model are we using that we think we can't have to keep going until we drop? You can't keep going until you drop. You drop is if you drop, who's coming behind you? Because if you're doing it all, are you really, are you training anybody else? Are you helping anybody else to step up and be leaders alongside you so you can step back? And when we look at the histories of our um, social justice movement, we did make space for rest, especially the leaders that were taken care of. We made sure that there was... um, that there was, there was food for the folks who were doing the work, that there was a place to sleep, that their kids were taken care of. It may have been, as, as we moved into other models of organizing, we might have lost it. 
as we moved into depending on grants from other institutions who then, and I mean really dependent, and who then dictated how we were supposed to work. The parity model that uh, was given to us uh, was not something from our community, but it was given to us uh, where folks worked for very little because the charitable model originally was wealthy folks, particularly wealthy white women. So they could work for nothing, you know, and, and just mm-hmm. be, take the money and give it away or have somebody working in, the, you know, their, the daughters of, of the wealthy doing this work. And then that trickled down to like, okay, so people working nonprofits don't deserve uh, a certain level of pay and a certain amount of rest because, so I think some of that has trickled down. And I think in this moment as well, I think it's been bubbling up, but I think at this, um, over the last couple of years, there's been even more of a pushback. Like, how do we take care of ourselves? I think it's always been, that's always been true. Um, but what does it look like holistically now? Care of those doing the work. What does that, what does it look like holistically? It's not a, but take a day off. You no, know, what are you doing on that day off? Because you might be doing the things you didn't have a chance to do because you were working. Mm-hmm. But you, not only do you deserve rest, you deserve space for yourself to breathe, to sit, to be with yourself. Working from home, those who are, um, have the privilege, and it is a privilege um, when we talk about working from, who gets to work from home, because one, we're talking about people who still have jobs, right? And we're talking about those who have access to um, devices that let them, and the jobs that let them uh, interact in, in um, remotely, that folks have pushed out and like, I don't want to go back to the office. I don't want to go back to that environment. Mm-hmm. I'm thriving here. I'm actually thriving. I get enough sleep. I eat my own food. Wait, I, wait, I'm not spending the same amount of money on food. I'm not eating out. You know, so there's things, cooking more, taking care of ourselves, being able to move at a different pace and be just as productive, if not more so. I think folks have figured that out. So I think it's not just us that's been pushing back against the work that's starting to happen. I think a lot of folks have been pushing back, but um, as much as they can. Some companies have embraced it, and some wait to get back to what they did before and are pushing people back into offices. And, you know, it, it had almost, you know, like you said before this, I mean, it was almost to say you wanted to take a day off just because, hey, I need a break. You know, there was like a, a, almost like a stigma to say that you needed mm-hmm. to rest, say that you didn't want to get up and go from dawn to dusk. And people mm-hmm. were, they were a good employee if they put in like, you know, a 60-hour a week, even though mm-hmm. when you wanted to say to them, you know what, if you topple over and die, they're going to just bring in the next one, you know. What about this time that you're missing with your family? And it seems like that's one of the things that how important is that, you know, yeah, we had to sit our butts down, but you recognized, you know, hey, that time with family, that time to, to rest, 
that it wasn't anything mm-hmm. wrong, you know. In these grand spirits, mm-hmm. also a woman who had been like, she was passionate about black women giving birth, and she was a doula, and she was doing all this. And at one point in time, like, you know, she said how when she, she got pregnant, and even then she was still doing everything, and she was working from home, and she felt, after she had her baby, she said she felt like, well, I've got to get up and, you know, I can go in there and sit at the computer and, and continue to do this work. And someone said, no, let us do some of this. You need to rest and be with your child. You know, but this is this is your work. This is your real work, not that. And she talked about a sense of guilt almost, that like she wasn't serving the community. And, every, and everyone was telling her, no, you know, no, yeah, that's not what serving the community is about. So very true. So very true that this is, I think this is this Puritan work ethic that permeates so much of, uh, um, that's one thing. So yes, not, I'm not carrying my weight. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. One she found, right, she found out that there are people who are ready to step in and help her. And we, all, we have also a, a culture of competition. Well, if I'm not doing it, somebody's going to take my place, my place and I'm going to lose out. That's not what happens in communities where it's, that aren't hierarchical and aren't about, that are really about community and not competition. It's not about somebody being replaced. It's about making sure everybody is healthy and everyone is taken care of. And there, and it cycles. There are times when, when it's your turn to be in the mix, you're in the mix. And then it's somebody else's turn and you get a break. Uh, not a break, like, you know, a day off. Like we had to create mental, businesses had to create mental health days, right? And fight for mental health days. Mm-hmm. And people look at you sideways like, you, what? So, but now mm-hmm. to have her, be in, in the field that she's in, which is all about nurturing and caring um, for people and families, to have that reflected back to her is amazing. Not, and yes, so what, so the internal fight. I need to be doing all the things. No, you don't need to be doing all the things. Mm-hmm. Actually, you can't do all the things and do them well. Something is always being sacrificed. So what, what is it that you do well? Where can you focus on what you do well and then have other folks around you to do the things that they do well? And we're all in this together. Nobody's overworked. Nobody's overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. No, and there is, I believe that there's more of that happening um, one of the things that I wanted to say in terms of, of uh, resting is that so that we are resting is many things and not just about sleep. Uh, it's not just about, and also not just about turning off your phone or stepping away from your computer. It is taking a nap in the middle of the day if you want to, because you can. It can be still 
just because. Mm-hmm. Have to do anything. It can be um, reading a book. It can be doing your nails. And I don't necessarily mean going to. Yes, you can say you pamper it and go to the salon. You know, now that you go back, that's a different kind of self care. We're talking about how you take care of yourself, not just externally, but also internally. I think that's the biggest difference when we're talking when we talk about self care, caring of the self now is how how do we self internally um, checking in on uh, when we're eating, how we're eating, what we're eating, eat what you want, eat when you want to eat it. Like you know, it's not about going on a diet. But it can be about paying attention to what you're making into it. And not, you know, people who do that without thinking about it, they're great cooks, they do it. Other folks just who struggle to cook something, make a sandwich. Do the same thing making a sandwich. Do the same thing opening some soup. You know what I mean? It's like it's not about being this cook. It's about being mindful of what you're doing for yourself in the moment, whatever it is. Because somebody can cook and not think about what they're making because they're on autopilot. You know, it's that um, I realize brushing my teeth, sometimes I can forget because I have an electric toothbrush and it counts down. And if I go off into a daydream, I'm like, wait, did I brush all my teeth? Or did I, did I do the inside? Because I've, I've stopped paying attention. I went somewhere, but I'm kind of on autopilot. But if I'm paying attention, then I, I also do a better job, right? And even though it's an electric toothbrush, I still have to move it. I do a better job because I'm paying attention. And then maybe I'm paying attention to, to maybe there's a song in my head, you know, and I'm doing a little... I have a little bop while I'm doing it. I'm no longer distracted by something else, but I'm paying attention to what I'm doing for me. It's a little thing. It's a little moment. And I think those are the things that give space. I forgot. I was listening to a podcast, um, and the word spaciousness came. Oh, that's really important. That said so much to me. That it's not just creating space to rest, but it's creating for yourself. That ability to sit, stand, lay down, whatever it is, and just be with yourself. You don't have to meditate. You can if you want to. Mm-hmm. You can do some breathing if you want to, but you don't have to. Sitting in the park and looking up at a falcon, right? And going, wow, there's a falcon in my neighborhood. You know, here I am in the middle of the Bronx and there's a falcon. So, I mean, just it can create a sense of one um, or that you haven't done this in a while and you really needed it. Mm-hmm. A sense of of play, maybe if you put on, you can put on the music. That spaciousness allows for music. 
You can put on some music you haven't heard, maybe the music that moved you when you were 12 years old, when you mm-hmm. were coming of age. Those songs, when we were coming of age, words, we looked at all the words, and the chances are good that you didn't forget them. Play the song and just let yourself be transported back to uh, a time where you didn't so hard. Well, you, know, you know, and so I, mm-hmm, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, you know, and I hear you, and you know what, and, and that's one of the things that that I I have come to also. But do you have, have you, having been engaged in, you know, in nonprofit and a lot of things in the community, do you, how did you reach that point? And to that point that when you look and you see like, oh, it's not the way it may have been when you were engaged and, and redefine how you're going to interact and community where you don't have to be the one leading the charge, but you are part of the movement. Let me tell you, like all the pilot switches on, you want to be the one in charge because you've been Mm -hmm. in charge. And you have to learn. Like when you came in, like when I came in, I wasn't in charge. I didn't know what that looked like. Mm -hmm. I didn't come in saying, I'm going to be in charge, I'm going to lead something. It happened because somebody said, you know, I think you'd be good if you did this. I think it's like something. Or you just started showing up and little by little responsibilities came your way. Well, um, but we didn't, not to say there aren't people who, who, you know, I don't know, maybe there are. I haven't met folks who, intentionally went to become a leader in nonprofit work. Uh, not the grassroots nonprofit, you know, folks, folks went in to take care of something for themselves. Either there was a need in a community that they recognized and they organized folks, or there was something that they were yearning for and they showed up in a group to get something they needed and stayed. Mm-hmm. Either way, they stayed because it did something for them so deep within that they stayed and then they became this. So, and I feel like I am transitioning into what does my space look like now? And there is a struggle. That's real. There is a struggle to say I should start from, I, I shouldn't have to start from, from A, I should be able to start from B. No, that's not. You got to where you are. It didn't happen overnight. It took time, and you weren't even aware that it was happening. You were not aware. You were just doing what you needed to do. So it is It is an interesting thing. I'm doing a lot of examination about that um, as I look around and say, um, working on my next project. It's still about community. It's still about um, working with folks um, and going deeper into coaching and um, 
helping folks and this at this time, right, as we age, uh, as things keep happening, as my body is saying, like, hold up, no, <laughs> you're not 25. And I do that, and, I res- and if I'm going to respect my body, then I listen, and then I have to do things differently, and it's okay. And finding out, talking to other folks and realizing, you know, where, where and how can helpful because I've, I have all this that I've learned, and it's not fundraising. It's not uh, those things, not building uh, an organization. So how do I do it? Mm-hmm. Too. Not, I don't know if fighting is the right word. I am digging up the memories of where was mm-hmm. I when I started. You know, I'm like getting back with what does it look like to start doing this? That I have skills that I've learned and developed that will help me is absolutely true, and I can use them. So this is a... Uh, so instead of something being as being, feeling random, I started, I started um, uh, doing the teaching group fitness and doing all of this because I really wanted to bring this to, to my communities, but to actually create something that, um, that folks can benefit from and still use use the skills that I learned and um, teach what I know or folks discover things that they may know about themselves or learn about themselves as they do this. Um, and it's become a lot more than just it's also it's become a lot a lot of it has to do with taking care of ourselves intrinsically in a deeper way. Um, I started uh, after my workout in the morning to go on um, Instagram, even though right now Inst- Instagram stories is being kind of fussy with me. So I had to pivot on that too. See, everything's is a mm-hmm. pivot. I-, I was going on, but to inviting folks and thinking about, uh, am I just talking about my workout? which is me-centered, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But what am I offering to folks? Is there something that happens in my workout or in the morning that, that I can offer because it was helpful to me? And maybe it's helpful to somebody else. And some of it is about just helping people realize. There's, you know, like telling people, Okay, so just, you know, do some breathing, do some four-part breathing, just take a deep breath and let it out. I was like, why don't I just do it? Just mirror it, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been getting responses that have blown me away. That, well, thank you. I didn't realize I was holding my breath. Mm. Um. I was in a situation and I needed this and it came up at the moment that I needed it and I needed to take some, do some breathing. I just, I am always blown away because I, it's kind of like I'm doing it into a void. Like I don't see anybody when I do it that way. Besides, I'm not talking. Nobody's responding back when you do these stories. And now I have to, I have to 
on Instagram because of whatever this glitch is. Um, but I don't wait for people to join. And it's been an interesting uh, process for me to set, to even say that, to even think about what am I offering every day um, or most days that I'm offering something, um, something I've learned, something based on what I've learned in my experience. Um, and it's, it's just, it feels, it feels really good. It feels good to me. I'm still community. I don't expect anybody to say anything. No expectations of it. I think if mm-hmm. I have to say what's ha- this is one of the things that's happened over the course of the um, what is it? it? Has it really been two years? Wow! Over the I last know. year, especially mm-hmm. <laughs> especially as I have the same issue with my foot in the same foot, and I've been dealing with injuries on my right side that I've had to do things differently. Maybe it's part of it is, is getting a dog and having to talk about a shift. <laughs> After not having a dog for many, 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 many years to have to walk a dog in the morning and the evening again. Mm-hmm. You know, also help me. To someone who does, um, they do a queer yoga thing once a week. And that they were saying, mm-hmm. like, much like what you were saying, like, at one, and, and, and a similar path, like, at one point, there'd be a whole bunch of people who are, and then, you know, over the course of two years, people did. But then later on, they said, well, I'm just going to do it, you know, because uh, I'm doing yoga. I'm going to do my practice. And they did that. And then they would hear some people every now and then who would say, like, that day they needed it. And being able to connect. You know, that's one of the things that came out of of, of this I do virtually, that they were able to do that and how it helped them in the moment. Although, you know, and they said that if they were to, they probably wouldn't go out. So it's like like both sides of it. You can do that part where you reach, reach people who you might not get that feedback from, but someone connects with you as you're doing that. And But then you also have the part where you're outside walking and you have that, your these people are getting something out of it, but you're able to communicate with them. In this new world we have, it seems there's a place for both. Mhm. Mhm. I think that's true. I think that's true. Um, I think we have after that first year, and then we wanted to. Not everybody. A lot of people want to run out in the streets. All the memes. The streets are calling my name. On the streets again, and not all of us wanted to be out in the streets like that. You know, we wanted to be around the people we care about and that care about us. Um, I found that yearning in myself to be true. That oh, well, let me reach out to folks that I know because we've been so isolated, and or we things have been about work that we don't, we haven't seen the people. And I said, I want to I wanna be around the people that I know and that really know me. Mm-hmm. That we can just jump into a conversation and we don't have to start some, you know, like, how are you? Is everything okay? How are you doing? You know, where it's like, what have you been up to? Well, let me tell you what's going on. Like, let me tell me everything that you 
when we've been um, where before we would see people, maybe, you know, let's get together for this, let's get to impromptu meetings, uh, maybe lunch, brunch, dinner, a phone call, a Zoom, actually, wait, I'll come back to this. But we've, we've been doing these impromptu things, and then when all of that was taken away from us, we were relying on uh, uh, the video conferencing of some sort, and then it wasn't enough anymore. But it also, we didn't want to necessarily have these conversations who were on our periphery. Uh-huh. To really connect. And the, that personal connection, I feel like, is, be, is becoming more and more and more important. And I hope that that's one of the things that stays, right? So I've had a couple of conversations lately with folks and we originally were going to do it on zoom and then we just had phone conversations and that felt so much more intimate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than doing well, a zoom take, well let's take our first break and i want to follow up on that when we come back so we'll be right back This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown, and I'm talking with Kim Ford. And you know what? Part of the reason, I think one of the things that has sustained me is these conversations that I'm able to have, you know, each week, To re- which is why I also wanted to reach out to you. But like you said, how, you know, we got into Zoom, we got into you know, where how's someone doing? Well, let me see what's on their Facebook page, what's happening with Instagram, or or texting them. Until I think that all of a sudden it just sort of sort of hit me that there was something that was missing. I had started sending cards. I had a friend mm. who I knew had had surgery, and she was like, "You sent me a get well card," and she, she said, "I have it right here, so I can look at it." And I've been sending birthday cards, or picking up the phone, like you said, talking to someone, you know, and it's just, there's something real about that. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be, you know, it's just that, that I found that, I would say that I didn't realize how far away from that I had gotten until this happened, and then I missed it. And now... This is something I, I'm sure I will continue to do, like, forever, because the joy, I, it's like I refound that 
joy. The intimate, it's intimate, right? It's it's so much more intimate than you would think it, it would kind of be the other way around where we can see each other, but you're kind of mm-hmm. different things like the Zooms. You can see each other, but you're kind of held hostage, right, to the screen. Mm-hmm. Nobody's moving around. Even I don't care if you have it or your phone. Then you have to position it, and then you feel, you know, like, Am I, you know, am I dressed appropriately? Is somebody going to walk by? Do you want to see my house? Like you do that, you do all that for work and you make sure you're sitting somewhere or for, you know, some of these more formal things, you're sitting somewhere um, and it can, like with the coaching core, yes, it works for all of us because we could see, um, but there's something different when you mm-hmm. have to listen deeper, right? You're not watching somebody's, when you're in person, you listen and you have all the, you can get uh, the body language, all the visual cues. That doesn't, it doesn't happen as much on, I think on, on video conferencing because people are sitting there trying to make sure <laughs> or that they're okay. So, you know, what used to happen on the phone? Why did people stay on the phone for hours? Because they could lay down, they could relax, mm-hmm. they could talk to each other, like if something was going on in the background, and then, you know, here comes, didn't I tell you to get down from there? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or mom, I'm on the phone, all these things that happened, right, that you could hear. And you, you listened with your entire being. And something is different. It's really interesting. Something is different. Um, it's much more intimate. It feels safer because you can't see each other, right? It feels safer. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's absolutely true. And you can relax. You don't have to sit up. And you lay down, try laying down and talking to somebody on your, with your screen, with your phone mm-hmm. on the screen. It just does you don't, you know, or people have, and next thing you know, you're looking at somebody's nose, you're looking at the ceiling, and it's like, you know, I really want to come in the bathroom with you. Now I know you're in the bathroom, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and in and, and both instances, both of the conversations I have, we said, can we, they're like, can you do a phone call? Yes, let's please do a phone call. Because you can also do the other things you need to do that don't take, that you don't have to think about, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to wash the dishes. Uh, you know, I still get that done. You don't feel like you, I was going to say time, because I don't think it's time, but you don't feel trapped. And, you know, and I think that sometimes Even, mm-hmm. you're, you're listening, you hear something. You know what I mean? It's like, and someone will be talking to you like, what's really going on with you? Or, yes. or you know, you know, I mean, there's just something where, where you're not so, 
you just go everywhere with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do. You do. I think when I was um, doing my coaching training, we didn't, at the time, we weren't, we were doing, it was all coaching by phone, and folks were having you coach by phone. Because you, you, you actually can develop or enhance your listening skills. If, you know, you come from a generation that talks on the phone, you were already doing that. You were already picking up on things. You didn't know what you were picking up on. You knew it was something. So you listen attentively. And, you know, pretty much you could always tell when somebody wasn't, was no longer paying attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can, as you're sitting there, I, you know, like, even at work, conference room, who is paying attention, you can see them on these meetings and people are like, I'm not paying We were all the folks who were half-dressed or the person that went to the bathroom and forgot that their camera was on. <laughs> it just, it was, it was, I think it fed into the whole, it was more, it felt more like a, than an actual, than anything intimate. Mm-hmm. You know, I have so, a uh, at her job, but they have said now, you know, because they were working, working remotely, she said that um, it used to be like you didn't have to be on camera. Like if you were Zooming, you could just put your picture up there. But now she said, mm-hmm. well, they want you to put the camera on there so they can see if you're really paying attention. And she'll say, yes. well, you know, all I do is sort of look at it and I have something off to the side. They don't really know. But it's like even I think that, some of the corporate world is recognizing that, you know what? Some people are just, you know, they're tuning out. It's not as a yeah. yeah, people are tuning out. Tuning out. You know, even even if everybody has the camera on, because, yes, I mean, we've all been on these calls, and there's the camera on your computer, and you minimize the screen, and you're doing something else, you know, like because you're on mute. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're looking at your computer screen, they don't know if you're watching or not. Mm-hmm. But I think people are tired of, um, and that might be a generational thing, you know, as, as we move further with more technology and devices and what we can do in the devices. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. It was interesting that I realized I was craving that kind of, uh, um, intimacy in a conversation with with the people that I really want to talk to, that I really want to be around, that I really want to communicate with. I love, I really love the idea of sending cards. And here's what I realized, uh, and I realize that every so often it comes back to me. Every so often, we used to have address books we have with phone numbers and addresses. I just have emails for a lot of people now. Mm-hmm. I don't even have a phone number. Well, I just right. have an email. You know, I <laughs> go through. I still have my old list, but I don't know what's, what's, what's viable anymore. We used to know. And even if, you know, we used to know, but now I'm, I don't know. Where do people live? I know where they live because I go there, but I don't know the address. But you better learn the address if you're going to take a if you're going to take a car, if you're going to Uber or Lyft over somewhere. 
but then you get it and you don't you don't keep it in with the an address book you have a contact mm-hmm. list is it in your contact do you store the address in your contact list no you store the address in your list for for uber or lyft or something like that it is interesting how these things have happened so very quickly and we've adapted so very quickly, right? So it goes back to, to adapting to our circumstances and what's the new normal because we've adapted to before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We were adapting. Yeah, we were moving that way. And now, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. So this is going to be, I mean, all of this is going to be interesting. And the Facebook portal thing is a whole other thing about, you know, in uh, virtual reality. Whatever. I don't know what to say about that. I, I said whatever because we did have at one point we did get some. We did get an Oculus. I think they were free with a phone or something. So we got an Oculus headset, and we both tried it. And I'm like, I do not want this. <laughs> I don't want it. It it was now. It was very rudimentary. It felt like clearly I was not in. It didn't look real to make me think I was someplace real, but I didn't like the feeling. At, um, Actually, that's not even true. It was, it wasn't so much that I didn't like the feeling. It was being in my house, being in a safe space, and then trying to move around in a virtual space. But I can't see where things are. We have a coffee table. I could have fallen mm-hmm. over the coffee table. Like I had to really sit and say, and say, I'm not going to move from here as I move. I'm going to look around the space, but I'm not going to move because the only way for me to move is to get up and move. And there's a physical thing in front of me, but not in this virtual space. So I don't know what to say about that. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We've, we have, we've had enough war- warnings about things that could go wrong. So I, sometimes I'm not sure anymore is the, the fiction pushing the reality or the reality pushing the fiction, like science fiction and fantasy. So many, I don't know anymore. So, well, you know, but as much so also because I send cards and I call, but there is some parts because, you know, I have friends now who are all over and, um, I had one, some friends of mine in California bought a house and we did this and they walked me through the house and it was like really kind of cool. I felt like I was right there with them. Um, mm. I visit my, my granddaughter who lives in the Bronx, you know, like, I mean, we have our regular little visits and she knows it. And I know that, but I did have that moment that I wondered like, was she going to know it's me when I get there? And she does. You know, and, and sometimes she tells mm-hmm. them now to call me. You know, so there Aww. are some things where that part is really nice to be able to connect yeah. with people who have moved away. And, you know, I've been able to do things and, you know, with people from all over where we used to be right here, it wouldn't do that. So there's some ways that you see that it has, like, expanded it. But it's by the same token, you want that because even though I had seen their house in California, when I went out there and walked through it, it was like I knew where the things were, but it just sort of it felt good to be able to also sit across on the couch from them 
and talk about this, even though I knew what that room looked like, you know, and they had shared that with me. So, I mean, you know, there's some parts of it, you know, I saw the Oculus, I didn't think, I, I, that just sort of like, I don't know, I'm like you, you know, that just sort of, excuse <laughs> me, I, I just wasn't feeling that. But then there's that other part that sometimes if I can't, you know, reach out and touch them, I can reach out and touch them through another way and to be able to see and to communicate or to find somebody who I don't know where they disappeared to and through the magic of uh, internet snooping, you're able to reconnect with someone. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, yeah. it's like a yin-yang kind of thing. That's true. That's true. I, um, uh, like my mother had to learn Zoom, and she still, you know, my sister sets it up for her. One of my sisters sets it up for her. Um, and she still does. They still do, you know, she's a, that's how she does her church service on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um. So it is a connection in that way. She's been able to, um, like there are times we talk on the phone, but there are times it's like, oh, I can see you. I'm just seeing your face. So, yes, I think when it's because it's this mandatory everyday thing, um, but there are times when I'm talking on the phone with my mother and it's perfectly fine because we've always done that. Mm-hmm. It, could we see, you know, until... Um, was it last spring we really didn't see each other in person that was so yes when you don't really truly have the ability to see someone in person especially the people closest to you um then yes it's like somebody like okay so give me a tour of your house well let me take let me show you about on my phone i've done that Mm -hmm. um and yeah and so when you have that that fun part of it where it's actually where you're actually engaging then yes it is absolutely makes sense because you you didn't have to wait like well you're gonna have to wait till you get out of here or like you're talking to your granddaughter and she um she's able to interact with you uh it might be virtual it's not fake though right mm-hmm. it's vir- mm-hmm. it's virtual she can we're calling it virtual mm-hmm. um because we're not physically in front of each other, but it's very real because we can see each other. So that kind of thing, yes, so there are pros to that. Like my um, our nephew, we were talking to him, now he's, 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 um, he's almost a tween, so he's too cool to talk to us the same way. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's, getting, he's getting to that age, and then so uh, when his mother says, well, come talk to your aunties, and he's and he's grumbled. He comes over to the phone and he grumbles. But he'd rather not. He'd rather be uh, with his friends playing video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but um, but we do get a chance. When it's like, wow, we haven't seen him in person. It doesn't replace seeing him in person, but it gives us the opportunity to see each other. So yeah, that absolutely makes sense to me. I'm not. I am not anti. Uh, technology. I think I think there are all the uh, there are so many benefits from technology, um, and I'm always curious about. I am always curious about what's coming next. I am also I also have a healthy dose of skepticism when a company like Facebook wants to do something and they say it's going to be better for everyone. With 
possibly can't handle what they have now. That's a whole, for me, that's a whole other thing. Um, you being able to, doing, doing your show and being able to, to have these conversations predate podcasts, right? This is, before, mm-hmm. this, is, this is what I'm saying. This, having this type of show predates podcasts. So when folks are like, oh, podcasts are the newest thing, I'm like, you know, the people have been kind of doing this. If this wasn't called a podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, we just added that to it. But, you know, it's been like something that we've been doing. <laughs> you know, and it's nice because, you know, I mean, I think that that's the other thing that's kind of nice about, about our, our ways of being able to communicate. And, you know, and I feel for people who don't, have multiple ways of communicating, like to be able to write and journal and connect on virtually, but all of these things, it's because it's your story, you know, and mm-hmm. you have to tell your story. Yeah, I, and that's, that's true, cause, and I remember in the early days of Twitter um, and blogging, and folks started telling their stories. Um, so either they were doing it on the blog where they could write in a long, in long form or Twitter where it used to be 140 characters. Um, and, and the radio, right? The, the internet radio, Mm -hmm. the internet radio, I don't know how many lives it saved, especially for us, for our folks in our communities who didn't have access, right? Especially if you're not in a major city, you didn't have access to, to a group. You didn't have access to a publication. You know, all you had, you were online, and you were trying to find the conversations that were happening. Um, so, and these spaces were created. So I, it's, it's kind of interesting because now I'm doing time, time tripping in my head about what started on the Internet and how, all, how we all started and how we all connected. Um, and then websites that were created, like Fenoir, that we you know, that that held us as as communities. Mm-hmm. And so our online communities um, grew as technology grew, as the ways we communicate grew. And we still have the need for um, in-person. But the, but the technology has been able to save lives of folks who, um, uh, for lack of a better term, the most marginalized, have been able to find community. And, you know, well, and, well, and, well, then, well. and then like our history, you know, because when you, when you find bits and pieces of someone's able to share it, I mean, and, you know, it's, it's like a double-edged sword. Like, I know some young people, people say, oh, but, they're just like all into the internet, but then sometimes that's how they learn about things that we say. Well, they're not out there experiencing it, but they don't necessarily have to experience it. But they can learn from their history and and hear it, or people can uncover things and you know to know, like you said, that maybe you weren't the first and the only one. That it isn't all brand new. It's been around there and. We are an amazing people who have persevered <laughs> and been resistant and survived through so much that we, you mm-hmm. know, we need to know that. 
And however we get it out, mm-hmm. that works, you know. Mm-hmm. 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 And so, and I'm now, yeah, I mean, I'm loving this because I always, I always love this. Um, I have, I realized we've got podcasts on everything everywhere and it can, it, and I was a little overwhelmed and then I started being really picky. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And trying to find podcasts by older black women mm-hmm. um, and nothing against, but some, some of them I've come across that the podcast host the podcast, you're doing it for an hour and you spent 30 minutes introducing yourself and now you're asking your guest questions and I, I don't, I haven't learned anything about your guest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, well, that kind of didn't work. But I am finding others, uh, some folks that I follow, like um, the Emergent Strategies podcast I started listening to. Mm-hmm. And it's been giving me, it's been giving me what I need. I knew I needed it. I was just, who's, who's out there providing this? I'm sorry. Because it's not on social media in that way, right? Mm-mm. It's just Mm-mm. how do I access it because it's not like internet radio. Um, and having really interesting conversations and being able to do what you do and interview people and have these conversations, not everyone can do. I know that podcasts have come up where people think they can, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Um, what I think is really funny and interesting because some people are not good at interviewing. They just aren't. Um, it, it's, and people can learn. I'm not saying it's not something that folks can't learn. Uh, but if I'm listening to something and somebody's being interviewed, I want to hear what they have to say. I want to know why you're interviewing them. Is it about them that makes them interesting? (laughs) I'm sorry. Now I have a tickle. You know, it's an allergy thing. (laughs) I have that too. You know, I get that too. You know, it's funny. I had talked to someone who was trying, she was going to develop one and, you know, and I believe in being intergenerational. I talk to everyone. But I, she said, oh, well, you always talk to all kinds of interesting people. And I said, well, you know, I'd be happy to. And she said, well, I want them to be, like, between 20-something and 40. And I'm going, like, whoa. <laughs> but, but people are interesting before 20 and after 40. And she said, yeah, but, you know, yeah. she said, I don't know what, what I have. I said, you know, maybe you just listen. You know, <laughs> so that collaboration didn't work out too well. You know? <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I think that's, and you know what, that's interesting because, yes, and there are podcasts, and I went looking at podcasts by black women, and I found so many. It's still a drop in a bucket compared to the number of podcasts that are available. Mm-hmm. And um, and they've been anywhere from, you know, a half an hour to an hour or maybe a little over an hour. But when they're having interesting conversations and I feel like I can get to know the folks who are talking, <coughs> the folks who are talking and what they're talking about, and there's a topic, right? So that's part of it, that there's a topic. And the host has found that person interesting, Right. 
and mm-hmm. brought them in. And um, and I've listened to podcasts before, but far and few between. But I realized that um, there are certain parts that certain things that I need as I'm as I'm going through changes in my life. There are certain things that I want to hear and stay connected to, right? <clears throat> and that um, sometimes conversations happening since I'm not in the rooms anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Where are the rooms? Maybe the rooms the rooms aren't as available if they even still exist, right? So uh, not everything social media, not everything, well, maybe a podcast is social media, but and not everything's on, which is the only other place because it's not an Instagram thing, but it's not on Instagram. Like you can, yes, yeah, sometimes, but sometimes I just want to listen. I don't want to, again, I don't necessarily want to be in front of a screen, which you don't have to be if you're watching something on Facebook or Instagram. You don't have to be seen. I just want the conversation to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to be in I want to be engaged, um, and I want to know that the people who are talking are engaged and find each other interesting. Yeah, uh, and that's I mean yeah I think that's part of of also part of I think the the proliferation of podcasts over the last couple of years has been amazing. I think like I don't know that the I, I recall looking for them and not finding any before, and now, whoo, there's a, yeah, a like ton of them. Like you said, who's talking to someone who I want to learn about or hear about, because I don't want to hear someone just talking about themselves, you know? It's like, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, after the first couple ones, I'm done, you know? <laughs> or, or, and, yeah. You'll hear something, and it's something that makes you go back and say, hmm, well, let me find out more about that or put you in touch with something in yourself. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we can be very, very different, but there's something that's similar. I talked to, Mm -hmm. okay, a gay man from Alabama who was living in L.A. who wrote a book, and but he talked about, his grandmother, and there were things about it that was my grandmother, you know, mm. even though it was different, you know, and it was like, wow, you know, uh, so we're different, we might be, I say we're different worlds apart, we're not the same, but in some ways we are, and I think that yeah. communities of color, that thread that goes through us that you remember, you know, you were talking up before about like a song or something. Um, what is it? What is it? Blue Talk and Love. That's the name of her book, I'm going to say. Um, Mecca Jamila Sullivan. And we, she and I were talking and she was saying, and she was reading this one part and it came out of a song, the Earth, Wind and Fire thing. And didn't we talk <laughs> And talk about, you know, yeah, girl, I remember, you know, and seeing, you know, somebody dancing with the broom in the kitchen, Jenna. And, and yeah. 
I felt good for days afterwards, you know. That. <laughs> you know? And you couldn't get there from me. Oh, my God. I'm just telling you. you no, right. You sure can't. You sure can't. I think that, um, so I think I'm, I'm falling in love with podcasts in, in some way. I'm not interested in doing one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do think that in finding the ones uh, that speak to me, and I think that that's the challenge is when there's tons and tons and tons you have to sift through. But like you said, you find those connections. Um, and some of them are people that I found on, some people that I knew about, and I just, and I found, oh, I didn't know they had a podcast. We listened to this. Mm-hmm. Some or folks that I started following on Instagram. Uh, because something came across my feed and somebody else was connected to them. I saw something interesting and I went and looked at their profile and I was like, this looks really interesting. Oh, let me look at their label. Oh, they have a podcast. Let me see. Because I'm I'm only getting a sliver of who they are, right? Mm-hmm. And like I listened to a, a, a podcast that had been out for for a while now. They have three seasons. I don't know how long the season is in podcast world or if people make mm-hmm. them up or it's just so many episodes and then you know, I don't know. Um, but they're on the third season, but I started from the beginning and I was like, Oh, I would never have thought this was her voice. Hmm. Oh, I really like her voice. Oh, listen to what she's saying. Oh, this is really interesting. I didn't get any of that from her Instagram. Mm-hmm. Not to say she didn't put it out there. I just wasn't getting it. I was getting something very different. But hearing her voice, you know, hearing her voice, um, and she did something I thought was really smart, is, uh, oh, so the name of the podcast is The Black Woman's Guide to Menopause. Mm. A a woman in her 50s who started this, as she was starting, you know, her journey, um, as she's in her journey, right? Um, And so I started listening. I got something completely different from what I thought it was about. And... I fell in love with it from the one, and she had a friend of hers interview her about why she did the podcast, which I thought was really smart instead of her just talking about herself mm-hmm. because it made it a conversation. And I just, and I'm just like, okay, I need to listen to the next one, but take it slow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I tend to say, like, run through everything. You know, I want all of it right now, so take it slow so you can savor it. Um, so I've only listened to one podcast. I've listened mm-hmm. to, I've been going through the Emergent Strategy podcast because they've been really interesting. Mm-hmm. And there is a third one. I started, actually Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country really got me started listening to podcasts. Because they had an interesting one. There was uh, two women, one who was a writer, the other worked on the the series, and they were interviewing people. They were talking about the show afterwards, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, the other one is Finding a Way. The person, uh, somebody recommended that to me. Um, the person's name is Prentice Hemphill. Um mm-hmm. And so that, um, and I think they are, um, 
they practice somatics. I think they're Buddhist. And so there was more about what they were doing that was interesting. I started following them again on Instagram. And someone listened to their podcast, and I was blown away by the podcast. And, um, so that's where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And they are helping me ground myself in what I'm doing now. Um, because my goal is still to help folks, but to help people in um, and help folks as they are still with movement um, and their health and how they, and how we move through life now uh, in terms of our, and taking care of ourselves physically um, and nutritionally. But also mm-hmm. to bring in the other part, I needed that grounding. That and so I guess it's one of the things that shifted for me is one uh, learning for myself that I needed the grounding and finding it. As I opened myself up to like, I really need this. Something is missing here. This is not. This has worked as far as it can go this way. What's my next step? So even when you said before, like, what does it feel like when you've been in in the lead and so it's not about me being in the lead, but it's about leading myself, which is different as opposed to being led. And I'm still being led, right? So I'm still um, talking to folks and, and asking questions and um, finding out what, what, where I can go next to get what I need to do what I need to do next. Mm-hmm. But I think that I don't think I'm alone in this. I think a lot of folks are um, doing uh, this self-examination about where they are and what their lives look like now. And what is normal anyway at this point? Yeah, exactly. What is normal? Well, let's take a second break, and I want to talk about about that where, where you left off there, about what our lives look like now. So we'll be right there. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. back here talking with Kim Ford. You know, Kim, I have found I'm not not being fatalistic, you know, and not like, oh, I've only got 10 more years, or, you know, nothing like that, but just sort of like looking at where I am, you know. Um, I know that I used to spend time um, 
or Grace Fives, and that's how I know Adrienne Marie Brown through Grace Fives. And Grace Fives, he's talking about like what time, where were you on the the time of life, the time of the world, the clock of the world. And I find myself mm-hmm. sometimes thinking about that. Okay, like all right, and then looking at people, you know, because we're in the same age group, looking at people who are. I, I mean, I look at Sonia Sanchez, who's like, what, 87 or something. And I, I'm going like, you know, yeah, okay, I see me doing that, you know. But some people talk like about, oh, it's time to, are you going to retire? But I don't really see that. I sort of see myself going into another phase, which was mm-hmm. much along also because of this pandemic. <laughs> you are, you know, how do you see yourself, you know, where do you see yourself? now you know and is this like the third act or the next phase a new horizon it is it's interesting it's the third act right um you know the the play the act and that's it so um uh there is a, i feel like there is a new horizon i feel like i don't always know much like Every time something started again, I don't always know where it's going to go, and that's okay. But it's okay, to, and it's okay to be at the beginning, and that what everything I did before, you know, stopped and not, you know, because I did try to do some more nonprofit work, and I realized that I, what I've been doing the way I've been doing it, um, no longer works for me. It doesn't serve me, and that means if it's not working for me then I can't actually be effective for the organization either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where do I take this? How, what, what happens next? Uh, because you have this piece here and this piece there and this other piece over there. How does it all come together? And I, you know, and have an income, right? Because we need incomes. Mm-hmm. Um, So, so while I'm, so I'm in, so I'm in, I don't know what this is, it's like a gestation period of looking at all these things that are really important to me. And I, you know, and I keep finding out what's important to my community. And I'm at a different place in life, right? I am older. There are things, it's like, and looking in the mirror and going, oh, wait, my hair is grayer than it was a year ago. I literally did that yesterday. <laughs> so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what does that mean? What does that mean? And does it mean anything? Um, it means something. Because to say it doesn't mean anything means I disregard it and I'm acting like it's not happening. It means something, but what does it mean? And what does it mean for me? Knowing that um, uh, my body is different, which I've known, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's even it's even more different than it was a year ago. It's still different. It's it's interesting. It, it's it's an interesting thing. So I so I think that as I move through this and learn more and relearn, learn and relearn and learn more about my body. Uh, um. that it's, it has me much more curious than I've been, than I was when I was younger. 
Mm-hmm. I'm much more curious about what what's next for me. How does this as I move as I become as I embrace being an elder because that's that's not something I don't think I ever saw myself. Actually, I didn't see myself as an elder, but I'm going to be 65 in January. Mm-hmm. That's kind of astounding to me because it wasn't something I thought about in any. Like when I was younger, it was a number, and I was like, I'm going to be fine at 65. Everything's going to be okay. I didn't think about it. Um, but it's another, it's a marker. 60 was not the marker. Like the five is always the marker for me. It's a marker. As I, mm-hmm. So I embrace myself now. What, what can I learn? What am I learning about myself? What am I learning about my body? And what, where am I stuck? Because society has said, this is, the, this is the end of something. There is nothing left. There is nothing more. And I know better than that. And I might know it in my head. But where has it impacted me? Where has it gotten stuck that I need to move it out the way? And how does that, what does, what does my work look like? My work in a community look like now knowing that, knowing that there are lots of folks offering different things and something very similar, pretty much not the same. Um, but is there, Am I speaking to a particular group of folks as opposed to younger folks? Because if you look at social media and people talk about um, getting older and they're in their 40s and talking about they're old, and I was like, I remember <laughs> saying that. I do remember talking about I'm old. I'm old. Oh, oh I got a little ache. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. I was just, just rub it out. It's a muscle. It'll, it'll be fine. It's not, it's not, mm-hmm. not what you think it is. But so it's different. So as I embrace this part and realize and start looking like, who are my role models now? Women in their 70s, in their 80s. I don't have to be. It's less, like what I look like is important to me and only me. I'm more Mm -hmm. concerned with how I move. Um, How I move how my body moves, how my body feels, how I feel in my body is more important to me. And how does that translate into my work? How do I help uh, folks who are, in, who are my age and probably in their 50s probably and, and older to start getting comfortable with the changes in their bodies? What does that look like? Some of it, I was talking to folks who are considerably younger, and we were talking about perimenopause, and they said, we still can't find stuff. Like, there's a black girl who died for menopause. I don't know. There's stuff out there. I'm seeing it. And then realizing mm-hmm. a lot of folks don't see it. But um, I only know what I went through, so I can talk about what I went through. But um, And what helped me, but not talk about it in a way from, uh, talk about holistically what helped me through it. You know, the, that movement, that working out helped, that yoga helped, that meditation and breathing helped because things felt so out of control. I needed to control something. What does that mean? What does that look like? Do I still feel that way? You know, now that 
things still happen sometimes when I'm, you know, the pain in my hip and I know, you know, trying to figure out what's going on and it's frustrating. But I also know that it's not, nothing is final. It's not the end. Mm -hmm. I can still, I still have something to offer. I still have something to offer. And um, helping folks realize that they do have something to offer. And maybe they just, they're too close to it. They don't see it. And maybe you it's know, just offering things to themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. You know, it's just. You know, I was thinking how you were talking about how you had the, the, your, your issue with your feet. Well, I had a, a knee thing, and, you know, and there was a while when, you know, it was, it made me feel weird because that was not me. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I knew that I could do this, but it seemed like there were sometimes people were looking there and go like, oh, you know, like, well, it's okay to have a cane. I said, no, you know, I am not against the cane, but I want to be as strong and mm-hmm. as healthy as I can be as long. And I was telling um, my partner the other day, you know, I said, you know, I was at home and I fell. And she was like, okay. And I said, no, it was okay because you know what? I fell, but I got up. And mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. able to get up. And a year ago, I probably would have laid there <laughs> you know, for a minute and had to crawl over to something. But you know what? I rolled over, <laughs> and I also had gone, to, I'd taken a, a yoga class that had helped me learn how to fall, but I also had mm-hmm. been working with myself, and, you know, to where I caught up. So, I mean, it's so, so sometimes it's like I did that for me. Do you know what I mean? It didn't bother mm-hmm. me. If it had meant that I was going to have to use a cane forever, then so be it. But I knew my body and I knew I was ready to work with my body to do the things that they told me so that I could get up. And I did. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. That I mean I and maybe that's the, the learning that we do when we're older. Mm-hmm. Instead of forcing our bodies to do what you know, what you know, like okay, I want my body to do this. I want it to look like this. I want it to act like this. I want it to move like this. That well, you know what? We're in this together. Mm-hmm. So let me take care of you so you can take care of me. And really take care. I mean, I, you know, it's fine, you know, for folks who CrossFit is for a certain group of people. It's not for me. I have no desire to jump up on a three-foot box from the floor. Mm-hmm. I have no, I still don't know what that's about because it's not a skill you're ever going to use in life, but okay. So I, I'm, I, I, you know, so it's, after a certain time, it's about function. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about function. It is, it is about, um, like you said, being able to fall and then get up. I'm t- the, what happened before the before the pandemic? 
I was teaching. I had to stop teaching because I developed plantar fasciitis in my right foot. Took a while to heal. Everything's fine. I'm practically back to normal. I trip in the house and break and break a bone in my toe. Little tiny chip. But it was perpendicular, so it had I needed surgery. And then mm-hmm. as that's healing, we're we're in lockdown, so and now I'm not teaching again. <laughs> and now we're we're in quarantine. And that eventually healed. Right. And and then I'm okay. And then now I'm like, wait, so now I have plantar fasciitis again. But before that, I this okay, there is another muscle that, that is aching. And so now I'm gonna find out if, if there is something else going on. Um in my right side, in my hip, on my back. But I would have I think even 10 years ago, I just would have railed at it and just like, and want it fixed. And let's just get this fixed. Uh-huh. Maybe not 10 years ago, maybe maybe 15 or so. And like, let's just go to, like, I didn't get, I never, I mean, I've had other things happen and I didn't get cortisone shots or anything. I just always did physical therapy. But I was, and I was fortunate enough that that's all, that I was okay with that. But as I get older, there's a nagging in the back of my head that there's something going on in a part of my body. One thing is impacting the next. And there is something going on that needs a deeper examination. I, so I think that's part of it. Like, what is, what else is going on? Is this part of, is there something else happening? Right? Like you said, like, you know, like, okay, so there's something going on with your knee. Well, what uh-huh. else is going on with your knee? Is it, is it just the knee? Um, is there something else? Is there something else? You know, and so it's being able to have a long view, I guess. Uh, I even have the conversations with folks about something that seems disconnected, but having a long enough view and having the experience to say, oh, I can see how we got here to where we are with this because this is where you start sounding like, you know, like your own grandparents. Like back in my day, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. Because there's that long view. Oh, I remember when this, because this is what I was doing. I mean, it's true. I was talking about, oh, yeah, I remember when the union started, when they started doing stuff overseas because I was in the fashion business. And I was, and I saw this happen and American unions were fighting for their lives. And it was this whole thing about and so I could see that thread, right, to, what's, to where we are now with everything being imported and why we're part of the reason our economy is where it is. It's not a judgment on it. It's just that I can see the thread. So it's the same thing. I'm seeing the thread in my body. Mm-hmm. There's a thread here. I know it's a thread here because this has been, these things have been consistent in terms of either injury or pain. So now how do I get to the bottom of this? How do I get mm-hmm. to this so that I can continue, like you said, I can continue to get up? I'm going to pivot to the dog because the dog is part, this is how part of, I think part of this is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, last Christmas we picked up, we, we applied for a, uh, through a rescue, we saw the dog had to be good with cats. Here's his perfect age, everything. 
we pick them up on Christmas Day, and we come and it's like, oh, but well now everything is upside down because you basically have a toddler who's never going to get old, <laughs> never going to grow up. When you have animals, this is this is the deal, right? So, um, and he's a young enough dog, and but he needs to be walked twice a day. We started out walking him three times a day because that is what he was used to. But you have to walk him in the morning. Like, get up in the morning, you have to walk him. Like, wow, it's been in years since I, I remember in high school. And then you have to walk him in the evening. And maybe in the end, you have to feed him. And so things have to be on a schedule because he's going to adjust to the schedule, which he did, and we're fine. Um, but it was, <laughs> but what it did, and so we didn't call it a pandemic dog, but, but, you know, like, she's been wanting a dog for years. And I kept saying no for one thing or another. But since we were both home, okay, fine. There is something about getting up in the morning that has shifted, that has shifted things for me, right? Not just getting up early when the sun is coming up and being outside in the park. It's also made it clear of what's happening in my body. Walking the dog has done that for me where I would have just been I would not have known because my activity activity level had decreased from doing everything here and going out occasionally as, Uh you know, maybe going to to the supermarket, to the drugstore, whatever it is, but not being out and about, not being on the subway, not, you know, not doing those kind of movements. I live in a building with an elevator, so I'm on the seventh floor, so not doing stairs. But being out, walking around the park with the dog has made me very aware, even more aware, I should say, of how I'm moving and how it was, it's important that I've taken care of myself in a particular way because he's a very strong dog. I could have mm-hmm. been flat on my face any number of times if I hadn't taken care of myself in a particular way. It's not lost on me. And it also made me grateful, you know, Uh to be able to walk the dog and to have him pull and know that I can hold him because he's not Uh a little dog. Uh Well, I have to admit, I had a moment of canine envy, okay, because before (laughs) I I used to always have dogs. Then um, when I moved into an apartment, I said, well, you know, and I, I've done cats. And, yes, I did get a pandemic pet. I've got another cat. But um, I, when I see you out there, because that's one of the things, there was something that was really cool about getting out and, you know, walking this dog, you know. I mean, but just like how you said how you recognize, I said, you know, when I realized, like, you know, I wasn't sure to what level, my knee was going to rehabilitate. I didn't, you know, I said, well, first of all, I'm still in the, in the apartment. I do have my my cat. I don't know how he would feel because he already has issues, you know. I said, I don't know how he did. You know, I, 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 I've given away what my mother affectionately called my hooker heels, you know, because I said, I, can't wear them. I don't need to be wearing five, six, you know, hey, I go to And I looked at you with this dog, and I said, God, that looks like fun. I'm going to, I don't know. <laughs> you know. 
and it doesn't matter what the pet is, right? I think it's, it has to be a tactile thing, but um, I, for me, it is like you, you know, you have a, a, a cat or a dog or something you can actually touch and care for. Um, I don't know about reptiles and kind of warm-blooded <laughs> creatures. Not, you know, not, not, not quite. I, I, <laughs> everyone's with the warm-blooded ones. The ones who can return affection, maybe. There is something even, you know, um, yes, absolutely can reduce your stress. Um, because they don't, what their needs are fair, are pretty much simple, right? And and cats will come and go as they, but then there are times the time the cat comes over and then wants to sit next to you and you're like, oh, yes, oh, you do love me, and I was like, just give me, <laughs> scratch my head. So, um. So I think, so it does. And if you watch them, I think you, that's where the joy comes in, right? Is watching mm-hmm. them and interacting with them and you, and connecting with a part of yourself where there is some happiness. But it's your happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was, you know, in going through my whole life thing because the last cat that, that when she passed, like she was 19 or 20, I don't remember. I said, I don't think mm. I want to, I don't think I want to do this. But, I mean, she made me go get another cat. You know, I, I had this dream. She said, go get a cat, name it Pancake. I looked on the rescue. There's a cat named Pancake. The rest is history, you know. But, yeah. um, but, but like you said, there's that time, you know, where, and, and I think, too, by being, a pandemic pet because when I leave, when I come in, he just falls out in the pool. Like, oh God, you came back, you know. <laughs> you know, but there's something kind of cool about that. And I said, you do love me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I, you it, it's just like a, another, another, another phase. But there's something about dogs because. Yeah. They're like you said. They're always the toddlers. That that joy that they have in in a leaf, you know, snowflake. You know? And I was like, oh wow. You know, I saw the picture when you got a box of toys, and it's like, oh my god, it's for me. And that joy, that eternal toddler happiness, you know. Yeah, and he knew. He's like, wait, I know that's mine because he doesn't do that with every box. He did that. That was the bark mm-hmm. box. He did that with the bark box. He actually tore a hole in it. And I was like, wait, stop walking. Stop walking. Everybody stop walking. And he's still going backwards. And I'm trying to, like, relax to get him to stop. And it was just funny. It was hilarious. It was funny. And so you get these deep laughs, right? So you're laughing from, from deep inside because how can he not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? No, it's just like, mm-hmm. and, you know, and he's he's just and he's playing, right? There's nothing but he's playing. It's like, give me my box, give me my box. I know it's my box. I know I got a toy in there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, how can you? How can you not? It, I, mm-hmm. mm. Yes, and and dogs. Sometimes I get, you know, like he, you will hear him hit his head on something on the table leg, and we'll just. And he keeps going because dogs do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They do that. 
cats don't do that. And when it happens, they just get up like, you didn't see that, that nothing happened. You know, but <laughs> nothing happened. Nothing to see here. Got keep going. Nothing to see here. And, but, um, so, and, and I've had cats, so I've always had cats and dogs. And so yeah, this is a long stretch without a dog, right? The longest mm-hmm. one from, I think in my, oh my gosh, I think I was in my thirties the last time I had a dog. Mm. So it was a long stretch. It's been a really, and I didn't want a little dog because I was used to big dogs. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I've had cats since then, right? And I've always been a really good connection with with cats. And you know, so we have this boy cat who would come and lay on you when he wants to, and he he wants to cuddle and snuggle all the time. And the girl cat is like whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm here. I'm nearby. I'm good. Wait, why did you move? Now I have to leave. <laughs> but the boy cat will stay put. Um, but the dog, it's true. And I knew it was different. It's true. Um, they, they just, they're, they're just emotions, walking emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, like hearts, hearts on the sleeve. That's, and they, and so I do believe that there is a, it has helped me, there's been a reconnection mm-hmm. to that childlike joy that I've, that I've acknowledged from time to time when I've seen children playing outside or heard their laughter. But this has put me in it. Mm-hmm. Because we're out there together. We're in that. It, we're, he's my dog. Mm-hmm. You know, and meeting other dog owners because you don't meet other cat owners, unfortunately. I do say unfortunately because that could be really interesting too. But meeting other dog owners in the park and having his dog friends and, you know, and, you know, like, do I want to talk to people today? And, well, no, we're, we're not, ha- nobody's having a deep conversation. This is not community work. Nobody's trying to save the world out here. We're just talking about our dogs. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy. Now, are you his favorite? Oh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I, and, it, and it's a good thing you said. I like that you said that because there are people that, that struggle with that. Mm-hmm. I am not his favorite. Uh, my <laughs> wife is his favorite. And every mm-hmm. time I say, you're his favorite, she goes, oh, come on. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's okay. I, we might be, we're his pack. You're his best bud. Mm-hmm. I'm more like mom. <laughs> but you're his favorite. So if you go with pack leaders, then I may be the pack leader, but I'm not his favorite. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. I don't have to be his favorite. Mm-hmm. It is okay because that's about him. That says nothing about me. That's about him. He needs, he needs what he needs, and he gets different things from us, from each of us. Mm-hmm. But she, she is absolutely. Even we, we started training him, I'm like, you really need to train him because he reacts to you differently. He's more inclined to listen to you, whether it's your voice, whatever it is. Um, 
I mean, listens to me, but you know, it's more, if it comes from you, it's easier for him. If I follow your lead, then you follow mine. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's just looking at the dog and his behavior. Like, yes, like I taught him, we, you know, he already knew how to sit and I was teaching him things, but he needed it to be. So I just, whenever I picked up on what she did and did it her way, his response was better. Because she's his favorite, mm-hmm. and it's adorable watching. And it's a it's adorable watching the two of them together. Oh, <laughs> that is so cute. Uh, <laughs> okay, we started out this pandemic together, and now we're at this other phase. And you know, <laughs> I, I'm not going to wait this long before we talk again. <laughs> I appreciate this. I love our conversations. I really do. I really, really do. I I love I love doing this. And thank you for reaching out to me um, to have this conversation because I really love them. So I am going to let you go next time. I'm, you know, I keep saying it, but, you know, I'm going to find the time. I'm going to let you know when I'm going to come ahead of time and we'll have a cup of tea or I can walk with the dog. <laughs> I, I, I can get my canine envy out, you know. <laughs> I love it. You are always welcome. Always, always, always. So my best to you, to your fur family and your lovely wife. <laughs> and Thank I you. Love- and to you, too. Okay, I will talk to you real soon. You see, my my buddy, his his friend, he said, I love her when I I know it's time for her to go get me a treat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right? (laughs) He said, said, you said the key word, and he was looking at him, and then I said the word, so now we're on. But um, I will talk to you real real (laughs) soon, and... And, you know, don't be surprised if you get a card from me. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be. I will, I, will, I will look forward to that. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Well, you have a good Thank evening. Thank you I'm again. Go, go feed my cat and go get something to eat. So I'll talk to you soon. Okay. 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 All, right. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to thank my guest, health, wellness advocate, and transformational life coach, Kim Ford. Kim believes each of us moves along our own unique journeys and paths filled with dreams and visions of the lives we want to live. This movement and our interactions with others can help us redefine how we live in community with one another. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change right here on Collections 
by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.